0: Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. everybody one of my all-time favorite leadership type people Jan Turkelson is joining us today without Michelle but you know we'll send our love to Michelle how are you? I'm a fan. Yeah, I was gonna say we're fantastic.
1: Uh, but yeah, we well, are. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh talk about we when I talk about myself. I'm just so used to it being a twin and being in business together. You know, I'm talking on behalf of um. So we are the ultimate team.
0: <laughs> well, we will absolutely imagine that Michelle is with us um today. So tell us a little bit about people leaders in the first instance.
1: Uh, So People Leaders is a leadership development company that um, I run with my identical twin sister. The missing twin. The missing missing twin, twin. yeah. And we run leadership development programs for companies. Sometimes they're quite bespoke. And then we run our own people um, leadership program called Leadership Essentials. We do executive coaching and, you know, we run one-off strategy sessions so uh, we're really uh, involved in developing the capability of leaders because they really do create such an impact on the business the team and um, also you know the people that they come in contact with.
0: Yeah just before we hit record you were saying how busy you um, all are individually and collectively and I guess that is the the gift of COVID that just keeps on giving and locking down and putting leaders under under pressure is that been your your observation?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and Michelle and I uh, actually launched another leadership program this morning. We were talking about <laughs> I know, and so we were, we're actually I didn't know talking. That. Yeah, uh, we were talking about. Uh, what's happening with successful or companies that are really riding through this the COVID pandemic, and the ones that are really struggling? And what we've found are the ones that are riding through it reasonably well are the ones who are really investing in their people, in their leadership training, and also you know the capability of their people. So they're um, connecting, they're making sure that they're um, having those necessary. Um, you know, one-on-ones, the conversations and giving people an opportunity to voice their concerns and and ensuring it's a safe place to do that.
0: And we certainly saw that last year across 2020. You know, leadership was the, uh, the biggest success factor in navigating the acute nature of, of COVID then. It seems to be a little bit more chronic now in 2021. Um, and so I'd love to kind of talk a, a lot all day really with you guys about About leadership. And one piece that we were talking about that we think we can really help allied health business owners out is introducing this concept of leadership shadow. Uh, And if you could just kind of fly us in on this one, let's kind of uh, get into the the components of it.
1: Yeah. And and I think uh, a a nice segue into that is that the the two fundamental components of leadership is having a, a definite level of self-awareness and then the other side of that is the impact that you're having on others and the impact that you're having on others is really about the shadow that you cast and so the leadership shadow is a framework and it was uh, a adapted from a model created by Pine Street Goldman Sachs Leadership Development and um, what it did is it had a look at the way in which uh, leaders can cast a shadow in the people that they manage. And so there are four elements to the leadership shadow. It's what I say, how I act, what I measure, and what I prioritise. So what I say is, how do I actually frame issues? How do I set context for people? Uh, What is it that I constantly repeat or say over and over again, and what do I emphasise? And it was interesting, a couple of months ago, uh, I was on a retreat with the executive leadership team, we actually took them through the leadership shadow. And then we went around the, um, the table talking about so what is it that we often say, you know, because a lot of us are really unconscious about it and uh, everyone had their turn and one person said, oh, yeah, I don't know, actually, I'm not sure. And three people in the group said, oh, I know what you repeatedly, I know what you say a lot. And they go, okay, what? And he goes, uh, you say, oh, I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. And he goes. <gasps> knows? Yes, I do. And it was a real, uh, I don't know, enlightening moment for this person because they were unconscious of it. And then because they were conscious of it, they could do something about it.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think that was, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing about having a tool or a resource. It actually enlivens our perspective. And then we can choose whether or not this is working for us or not. So the first thing is, what do I say? The second thing is how I act. So these are my behaviours. What are the symbols? What are my relationships? So how do I actually... you know, respond to someone if it's a client? So am I more responsive to a client as opposed to a team member or a colleague or am I more responsive to someone who is, you know, up the hierarchy as opposed to someone that I'm managing? So how do I act? Because no matter what, people are really going to look at your behaviour. It really isn't about what you say. It's, you know, what you actually do with the words behind it. And so the third one is what do I measure? Like what are the things that I reward, what do I recognise and how do I um, hold people to account? So that's the, the measure part. And the interesting thing about, you know, rewards and recognition, it really is about how do I show appreciation because what you can um, encourage like if you can encourage more of a certain type of behavior and really truly appreciate that you will get what you focus on and I think that's really important that as leaders that we have a sense of ah yes you know I, I know that I may not have a lot of time to check in with someone and I did notice that but every week that is part of your remit is to find something that or someone that you can either acknowledge or appreciate because then you're actually allowing that person to be accountable for their actions and go right okay this is the thing that is important to that person and then the fourth one is what do i prioritize most of us have 24 hours in or all of us
0: have I think 24 all of us do in. I'm I'm looking forward to that extra hour. I'm just worried about what I'll do with it.
1: Yeah, but it seems like there are some people who I don't know seem to be able to expand time, and Mm. those who do, I think, are disciplined. You know, so what are your disciplines? What are your routines? Um, who do you interact with? You know, like for example. Uh, the meetings. Do you prioritise one-on-one conversations? Do you prioritise having um, really good check-ins at a in in a meeting once a week just to ensure that the people that you know you're working with are okay? So they're the the four things. So what I say, how I act, what I measure, and what I prioritise. So they're the four elements of the leadership shadow.
0: And when those four elements are Bright and vibrant and in play, what sort of leadership shadow is cast?
1: Yeah, that's a, such a good question. And I would just say the appropriate one, you know, because there <laughs> are sometimes as a leader, we may need to do more talking and directing and telling. And then there are sometimes that we really just need to. Uh, support and coach because so I think it really is situational, and ultimately, the shadow that I would want to cast as a leader is um, someone who creates safety and trust that's fundamental, and then someone who is going to allow that person to shine. So what is it that they need in order to do their best work? because most people do come to work to do a good job, not to do a crappy job, and my job is to get the hurdles out of the way.
0: What about this piece of authenticity and business owners sort of saying, I am shattered, I don't have much left in the tank? Do I have the mask on? Do they have the mask off? Do I show up and kind of over over, kind of present or do I call it how it is?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question too, Kathy. because I was listening to Brené Brown again because we were um, running a session on um, trust which came up mm. with vulnerability And she was talking about those elements of trust and she's got something called, you know, braving. And part of it is that trust is something that I think that is important to me. You also hold important to you. And I have to be brave enough to be open and being vulnerable, because when I'm vulnerable, it shows and it demonstrates I'm human. I don't have all the answers, and that not only can you know I give you support, but I can ask for support. And I think this is the 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 uh, I think the key takeaway for me is that as leaders, we're really good at giving support. You know what I mean? Because it makes us feel accomplished and we're achieving things and, you know, like we're on top. However, when we have to ask for support, There's something for some personalities that think that they're weaker, they're less than, and that they can't do it. But what that does for people who can then offer their support, it actually builds them and it empowers them. Mm -hmm. So if you can't um, ask for support, the support that you're giving is conditional because it actually works both ways. And so I think that's something that leaders need to be really mindful of.
0: And to have a support team so support may come from externally so you know what our boardroom clients love about boardroom is that they can phone a friend almost 24 mm. 7 they can put a question in they can ask me they can ask whoever uh and so there's that piece but there's also asking for help and mm. support I'll just say downwards but out into the team as well. And that is kind of vulnerability with a capital V, I reckon.
1: Well, yeah, that's right because, you know, when you don't have all the answers, then you're open to being curious and finding out what else is possible. And as we know, Cathy, the people who are dealing with the problems day in and day out, usually are closer to the solution if you give them the space and the safety to come up with it. And that's what we would do as leaders is, you know, create a safe space, ask those questions, be open and curious, don't assume. And it's amazing what you'll actually find out from people.
0: Oh, yeah, totally love, love that. I'm also hearing a little bit about fatigue. You can call it mm. leadership fatigue, life mm. fatigue, decision mm. fatigue. You mm. can put all sorts of things in front of fatigue right, right now as well. Um, is this, this, you must just be mopping up tears a little as well?
1: Yeah. So on the program that we were running um, on Wednesday, one of the senior leaders who came on just said, Man, I'm just, I've, I'm nearly checking out. I just want to tell you, because we did a bit of a check-in, you know, mm. so from one to five, what are your energy levels? And he was really open. He said, mm. just so you know, I'm not crying out for support. I'm just telling you this is how I'm feeling. So really upfront and that about it. Uh, and, yeah, really fatigued. And then we we um, opened the conversation up a little bit about So what would it take for you to get a little bit more energy? So a lot of these people were having back-to-back meetings starting at 8 o'clock, sitting down most of the day, not standing up. So there are little things that you can do to reset and punctuate your energy levels. Like if you're sitting down, half of your energy is being cut off and that's why I've trained myself not to have a chair in my office now. You know, I've got a lounge, which in the afternoon sometimes I'll put my my feet up. Take a nap. Yeah, (laughs) or a meditation. Uh, but it's part of like what am I doing to contribute to my energy not to my fatigue but to my energy and for most of our clients I I say to them within every 24-hour period you need to have something to look forward to you know that thing that is going to float your boat light you up and figure out what those things are and then make that a priority put it in your calendar make sure that that's scheduled in
0: almost to gamify it and to, yeah, book it in and then kind of think, okay, so five beach walks in the morning equals uh, something if, if you're motivated by sort of that cumulative um, kind of practice as, as well. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, energy management just is really the the absolute crunch crunch of it as well. Um, and I would also, we are so digressing from what we're going to talk about, which is what I just love. Also, a little bit about that locus of control and just Mm. understanding how you can guard your mind, how you can guard your body um, and how you can um, just acknowledge about what is in that circle of what you can acknowledge and control and then what you need to release and perhaps sit with curiosity and maybe no expectation at all. I think business owners are now just so consumed by media and social media and there's just so much information that they just don't always quite know how to filter it. Um, mm. So they're almost worrying and wondering about things that haven't happened yet. They may not happen. They may disappear before you decide how to figure it out. Um, yeah, just that locus of control. I would love your thoughts on, on that. Please and yeah. thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there was a quote that I read the other day about Plato and he talked about um, something about your thoughts actually create your reality. Yes, and apparently yes, that was Plato who said that. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of other, um, you know, spiritual leaders after after that. And then so our thoughts can create our perspective or the reality that we see. And our thoughts impact our feelings and our emotions. And then how we emote or how we feel is going to influence our behaviour and our reactions and our responses. Now, we can control our thinking and our feeling. And then ultimately, our behavior. We can't control what rules and regulations and, um, orders and, and, um, you know, principles that come through the media, but we can control mm. how we, you know, what meaning that we make respond from to it. them. That's yeah. right. And yeah. even though, you know, we know about this, it's like, how vigilant are we with our thoughts? You know, like we know we have, you know, 80,000 thoughts a day and most of them are negative and most of them are in the same loop, but every now and then catch yourself thinking. And I've got to a point now that thinking a negative thought feels so crappy that I'm aware of it and go, oh, okay, I've indulged in that because you indulge in it. You know, it's all right to think crappy thoughts every now because sometimes it is sad and it is frustrating. It is, you know, like um, hard and all that. And it's important to actually feel it, then feel it completely, and then choose something else or choose the meaning that you want to make from that, because what happens is we indulge in that thought. We create those neural pathways that whenever that thought might arise again, bang, we go straight into it. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it really is beholden to us is to have a practice where we're just mindful of the thoughts that we're thinking or do we have a practice where, you know, like for a couple of minutes every day, I am going to focus on the things that are really working in my life that I really do appreciate. And there's a whole body of um, research that supports the benefits of that. We just sometimes get lazy, you know, or or we want to feel crappy, you know, we want to indulge in the crappy. So indulge in the crappy and then get out of it
0: yeah yeah do you build thinking time into your day typically um the most so what I build into my day is the
1: uh, meditation so I meditate twice a day every day the thinking time um I suppose yeah that's an interesting question because I don't know that I sit down to think a lot I once I come out of a meditation, I'm just really clear about what needs to be done. And then, you know, I'm open to being receptive to what's happening. Of course I've got a diary and a calendar and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's not so much thinking. I think it's more um, I don't know, imagining. I do that a lot. You know, like what that's what thinking. Do I, yeah, okay, yeah. Um Absolutely. Every day. I kind of like when I wake up, the first thing that I say is thank you. And then I kind of set that when I'm in that sleepy zone. "Mm, What's my intention for today? What's the feeling that I want to create? And sometimes, you know, it might go downhill early. Not at least you know that's right at least i'm giving it a go you
0: know yeah i've um had my my i call it my blue sky time uh and i've noticed in the last couple of months it's slipped a little and i've just very recently brought it back in as a 30 minute practice usually quite early in the in the morning and yeah. um it's not geographically dependent it might be um if i'm driving or on the beach it might be if i'm just sitting out in the sun or when we get sun and I've just found it sets the day up mm. so differently that I've just had that it's almost like a hobby it's it's back to my new hobby of having some blue sky thinking time mm. yeah so
1: important Kathy you know, and especially if someone is leading a business this type of you know blue sky or this Um, opportunity to just expand your thought processes is so important because then you're receptive to whatever needs to come in you know like I think there is that combination of logic and magic And when you can do the blue sky thinking, then you can have that mixture of both because we need both. This is a practical world that we live in too, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. And it really sets you up to perhaps, you know, have some mindfulness and some little bit of forward thinking perhaps about the the shadow and who you need to be for your Mm. team, whether that day, that week, that that month. So let's maybe shift gears to team uh, because while we know business owners – are doing their absolute uh, personal best to steer their businesses team are coming along as well uh, in the shadow in the, in the good positive kind of shadow um, but teams have got their own challenges you know at the moment uh, and I think if in this allied health piece I can sort of illustrate that a little that you know, one week they're working at the office, then next week they're working from home. The week after that, it's a bit of both. And who knows what's going to be the week after that. And that uncertainty about where they're going to be working from, who they're going to be seeing, what their job's going to look like. Lordy, Lord, tough times, hey?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And again, this is why we often bring up certain models in our leadership program, because this is one of them, the threat and the reward response. So it's called the SCARF model, and it's based on David Rock's work.
0: Love it. I'm just going to sit back. Just talk for 20 minutes. I love this model.
1: Yeah, and what I what I really love about it is the fact that they've mapped the physical locations in the brain are the same as the social domains. So, for example, if I get threatened by uncertainty, there is a, a neural pathway that lights up in the you know in the physical location of the brain. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, research pieces that I was reading the other day is if someone asks, "Can I give you some feedback?" the same pathway in the brain lights up that if you were to give them a physical slap. That's that's how threatening it is. And so the invitation here as leaders and team members, are we creating a threat response or a reward response? Because if we're creating a threat response by not giving certainty around expectations and roles and um, objectives, then what we're doing is massively diminishing someone's ability to be at their best. Whereas the research shows that when you elicit a reward response where they feel, you know, comfortable and they have recognition and they have a sense of achievement, their ability to have higher-order thinking, be creative and innovative, that's right, goes up. And, and And some people don't even know that they're creating a threat response, you know, and so that's why the leadership shadow and the staff model and things like that. Even though there are lots of models, there is going to be one model as a leader that you go, yeah, that's the one that I'm going to deep dive into in the next three months or that model I'm just going to take away, you know, and just kind of put it in my back pocket and I might have a look at it because we don't want to give people too much that they feel consumed. Just notice what resonates with you and if you can take one little gem away from a model or what we're talking about Really run it through your nervous system because once it's run through the nervous system, it's not threatening. Even though it's new information, you can actually start to practice and play with it,
0: you know. Love the SCARF model. Mm, we'll provide mm. a link to it um, in, the, in the notes. How could business owners start to set a culture of feedback? We like to call it feed forward, but how can they step mm. towards a culture of, of feed, feedback?
1: Yeah. So I think it starts with yourself. I think it starts with the leader, you know, and part of it is that um, it's setting context. So why why now? Why feedback? And why me? And so part of it could be in a meeting, you know, you actually say, look, I've been really um, thinking or reflecting on how we can build this team and go from good to great. And part of that as a leader um, I think feedback is going to be one of those key elements. And so uh, because I think it's important, I would like to start with getting some feedback around the way in which I lead the team. So um, I'm going to try and um, make this as comfortable as possible. And um, we're going to work out how best we, I can get feedback so I don't put people on the spot, because you know I want to make sure that I get honest feedback. Um, and then just have an open discussion about, so if we if I was to get feedback what are some of the ways that you think we could as a team give me feedback is it email is it kind of like a suggestion box do I hand out assessments and you leave it on my desk like you want to make sure that you're setting people up for success you know when you're getting feedback so that's how I would start I would always start with me and definitely provide context Um, and With any change that you're going to introduce, like we, again, another model, the ADCAR model, it starts with awareness. And you have to start with awareness, and that's why context is so important. And if you're going to get feedback, be ready or be kind of prepared because sometimes it can be really challenging Mm -hmm. with feedback because there are two sticks or two ends of the stick of feedback. On one end, people just want to be loved for who they are. They want to be accepted for exactly who they are. And on the other end, we kind of, like, want to grow. And in order to grow, feedback is, I think, the number one way that we're going to do it because sometimes we just don't know what we don't know, you know, our blind spots and things, yeah. So that's where I would start.
0: So feedback may not always be glowing and positive. Mm. (laughs) Just saying. Just. been an observation
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 when it isn't right our our first it's a threat response right so our Mm. first thing is to either block it or attack you know like unconsciously we we may not do it verbally but just you know through our nervous system there is a because it is a threatening response and so part of it is to sit with the feedback and just to notice is there a ring of truth in it you know is there something Mm. useful for me is there something that I can use around about this and not make it about me personally make it about my ability to um lead more effectively so separate the that and i know it's really um challenging for people to say i oh, don't take it personally because us feelers yeah we're going to take it personally yeah, it's kind of the first that, thing that happens that's right however I, I don't want to indulge in it you know so when michelle and i get feedback from of course because we'll you know send out the survey monkey or whatever it's like. Um, before we look at the feedback, we kind of give ourselves feedback. Like, what do you think we went well? What could we have done differently? Yeah, I think my energy was a little bit low around that time. But so we're already preparing ourselves for feedback. Yeah. And then once yeah. we get it, we go, oh, okay. So they didn't pick that up, or they picked that up, and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? So we're very um, invested in it. You know, uh,
0: ready. I, I think Bring it's, it on. Yeah, ready. That's right. Yeah. Yeah uh sometimes business owners may procrastinate understandably with fear and concern and trepidation about needing to provide difficult feedback or difficult those those difficult conversations and that's part of being human hey oh yeah for sure you know because
1: we kind of want, like, work's hard enough, you know what I mean? And, like, now I have to have those difficult conversations, and um, Michelle and I were uh, talking about um, the difficult conversation, and I'm going to take you to a little bit of a framework, and she used it with her 20-year-old son, who was having a difficult um, issue with his girlfriend, and he used that framework, the same framework. So no matter if it's just at work or at home or whatever, there is a framework that allows you to have a conversation so you can, you know, move forward, you know, because that's what we want. And the difficult conversation part is so you know how you were saying you're on a board that you have board boards and people can um have Um, input and advice from anyone 24-7, which I think is fantastic. I'm also on a um, a sounding board. So these are people, you know, CEOs, people who have their own businesses. And I wanted feedback on if we were to create short course on any of these topics, which one? And so it was about delegation, accountability, difficult conversations, Mm. planning, the number one (laughs) from every single person on that sounding board. And these were owners of businesses, the difficult conversation. The number one thing, they said, if our people could learn to have the difficult conversation, most of these issues wouldn't be issues anymore. So I said, oh, okay, thank you for that. And the top three um, reasons why people find them or the top three issues were uh, pay was one, inappropriate behaviour from colleagues was another, and then the other was feedback on poor performance, So they were the the three top issues that people found or um, leaders found that were front of mind about having, you know, difficult conversations. And for us as, um, you know, creating leadership programs, you know, we've come up with our top 10. Now, do you want to hear what they are? Yeah, all ears. Okay, so this is the research that we've found. So um, someone in the team is a little negative And so you want to give them some um, feedback around that. A team member has a personal hygiene issue. A team Mm -hmm. member thinks that their performance is better than what it actually is. A team member is overstepping their authority or their um, responsibility. Uh, Inappropriate behaviour from a work colleague, so that could be, you know, like swearing or, um, you know, racial remark. Um, Someone who takes over during meetings. A team member who is too quiet someone who is just underperforming, someone coming in late or calling in sick regularly, and and the last one is saying that they have completed a piece of work and they actually haven't Whoa. and then having a conversation around that, yeah.
0: Rip a list, code of conduct.
1: Yeah, so so they're the ones that we practice with people because, again, mm. it's the practice, you know, running it through a like a, a framework with a trusted colleague or sitting down and reflecting on, you know, what are some of the things that I would do and prepare and then um, getting rid of the script and just being really present in the conversation. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. So how can you help our listeners get more comfortable and confident with these difficult conversations? I like to call them necessary conversations, Mm. but difficult is kind of, you know. Did that as well, Hope.
1: Yeah. I think to start with is what is my intention? Mm. Like what do I really want as a result of this? You know, being really clear because then once you're clear, you're clear about the energy that you're going to bring into the conversation, you know. So I would start with the big, so, you know, if if what would success really look like mm. after the conversation, the outcome? You know, I want that person to walk away feeling that they've been heard. I want that person to walk away with a clear um, kind of, um, you know, plan of action about how we're going to move forward from now on. I, I want us to have a um, a relationship that is based on um, trust as well, that they can say what is really on their mind because how many times as a manager or a leader we go, look, I just want to check in, is everything okay? And they go, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, and then you keep on asking and then a couple of weeks later you find that this person has had an issue with their partner, their left mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. They just weren't comfortable and sometimes you aren't going to be the oracle and the, the person that someone goes to all the time and that's Okay you want that person to have other people in the business that they can go to you know so that that's another thing that I yeah. I would just have front of mind like if you're if this isn't if I'm not the person to speak with I would love for you to be able to speak with someone else and get comfortable and then we can have a conversation about this moving forward so again you know try and be a little bit flexible um, so, yeah, the first of all, I would um, set the intention and then think about what's at stake. You know, like, is it, um, the, uh, is it that person's reputation? Is it a client's um, kind of well being? Um, what is the risk of me not having the conversation? You know, uh, because I need to have a good enough reason for me to get uncomfortable. Why would I want to be uncomfortable? You know, so as a leader, I need to be really mindful about. So, you know, what is the risk of me not, not having it? And I think that sense of, um, yeah, integrity that you know that there's something wrong and you actually did something about it. It's not just doing what you say you're going to do. Integrity is knowing and, and yeah. doing as well. Um, and then I would prepare you know, so you set the intention, you've created a good enough reason why, and then you start to kind of plan out some of the information, you know, like what is the actual um, situation that I want to have that discussion around? What are the facts? What are the details? What is my story in this? And then can I see their story? So if I'm going to say this, what do I think that that person is going to mm. say? And because we want to really check our assumptions and our biases because no matter what, we all have biases. And that's mm. why, you know, just getting feedback from one person is single-person bias. And that's why I think it's really important that we start to ask for feedback from a number of people, not just our one-up manager or whatever. Um, and so then I would have a look at the behaviours that I'm seeing, the impacts. Of those behaviors, either on the team, on me, um, on them, or you know their clients, because the, I, I find that when I can articulate the impact of this behavior, how it has impacted you know their clients or yeah. their team, people go, oh, right. I just never. I just didn't know. Because when people can really like, maybe they didn't want to know because then they would have to change. But mm. once it's articulated and that they really understand the impact that they're having, then there is more of a desire or a, a need to actually do something about it. Um, and and then it's discussing and listening, like being really open to listen to what that person is going to respond. I'd really You know, I'd really be um, uh, appreciative of hearing what's going on for you around this subject. Yeah. And do it in a way that you're invested, you're interested, and you're open to receive new information as opposed to, yeah, I know what they're going to say because last time I had that conversation, they said this, this, and this. Mm. Check those assumptions. And finally, you know, agree on what we're going to do next time or what, what do we want to do about this? I've got some ideas, but I'm really interested for you. And, again, knowing the staff model, the autonomy, when that person can come up with their own way of operating, wow. you know, you've reduced the threat response, increased the, um, the reward response, and you're collaborating in a way, okay, so what, else, what, what can we do next time? Um, and so there's some of those broad uh, ways of having the conversation and then I would do it you know like for anyone listening to this podcast you know is there um, someone in your life or in your work that you really um, need to have the conversation because if it's if it's kind of like in the back of your mind it is generating a lot of wasted energy yeah and fatigue you know and I think you know, Michelle and I, we've had some um, difficult conversations and i tell you what, the feeling that happens once you clear the air, it's like, oh, my God, why did I wait? You know? Why
0: did we wait? Yeah, yeah. Why did we tolerate that feeling before yeah, it?
1: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes, Kathy, we do because we actually have to get to such an uncomfortable state to do something about it. Yeah, so exactly. I'm not going to beat myself up. I did it, so good Mm. for me, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Mm. So they're the things. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. So we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, If you'd like to kind of summarise the big gems, the many I just stopped writing probably 10 minutes ago when you started talking about the scarf model. Um, (laughs) Just some leadership gold for listeners to kind of leave with. We will get you both back in the future, but just just kind of pull it together for us.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think the the big thing with leadership is that can you imagine if we create a an organisation or a team where everyone is a leader, where we have that egalitarian approach to leading ourselves where we are actually going to invite feedback, where everyone has the the desire and the capacity to lead themselves, where we actually supply them the resources and the tools to do that. So not only is it just one person kind of dictating what we need to do, it's more synchronised. And, you know, I think everyone has that desire to, you know, like lead, Um, their own way and I think as leaders are we creating that environment to do that for people in our team and we do that by giving them the tools and resources by creating a safe space where they feel safe and that there are trusted relationships we do that by having clear goals clear roles we've got really robust processes and we've got really I don't know wonderful relationships yeah. I'm not saying I'm that everyone has to be yeah um, buddies because some people mm. come to work to work and some people come to work for social and then work. But I think if as leaders, if we can, you know, have that front of mind that um most people are here to do their best and I'm going to see that first. I, I'm going to have the generosity of spirit to see that in the person first up as opposed to the thing that I don't want to see
0: and take it from there really oh wonderful thank you so much Jan regards to Michelle we look forward to getting both of you back in our ears super super soon and you know the thing to say at the moment is stay well yes absolutely yeah doing that thank you thanks Kathy I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect Podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.